0: Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at kuci.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified State bar trainer for over 25 years. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning?
1: Well, I am so thrilled today because we are welcoming back my very favorite guest, Mark Robert Waldman, who is wonderful. He, I've read his books. Um, here's two of them that I love. This one I especially love because it has to do with conflict resolution, words. Can Change Your Brain, 12 Conversation Strategies to Build Trust, Resolve Conflict, and Increase Intimacy. And this is by Mark Robert Waldman and Andy Newberg, who we had on our show recently. Also, his, one of his newest books is Neuro Wisdom, The New Brain Science of Money, Happiness, and Success. Love this book. And then every month I read his column. Here's the November issue. And this one was called Social Contagion, all right, Anxiety or Serenity. And so we're gonna talk a little bit about that, but we're also gonna be talking about some other very new exciting things. So let me tell you a little bit about Mark's background. He, he has written 14 books. He is a neuroscience researcher. He's a professor. He's a, a brilliant guy and he, he has also written some other books, and one of them was um, Oprah's pick for 2012: "How God Changes Your Brain." So he's created the neuro, uh, neuro uh, leadership course uh, for business at Loyola Marymount University, and he has he's been quoted in the the Washington Post, the New York Times, Forbes, Oprah Magazine. He's been on PBS. He had his own TEDx couple of them, I think. And he has just been on so many radio and TV shows. You can find out more about him. We link to his website at conflicthealing.com and also at markrobertwaldman.com. And there you can see his courses, some of his free things that he gives away. You can sign up for his coaching, He's just an amazing guy. So you can read more about him. We have a long bio on our website, but I want to get into the nitty gritty and talk to him and welcome him back. Thanks, Mark, so much for coming back on the show.
0: I'm delighted to be here and I loved listening to all my credentials. Every time you do this, it gets longer and longer and longer and then extends all the way from reality out into fantasy land, but I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah. Before we get into some of the new stuff that's going on, I really want to just talk for a minute, a few minutes, about this article that you wrote about social contagion, about anger, anger being contagious and all that. And we've seen a lot of that in the months before the election that's coming up. So could you just kind of talk to that and what that all means and can we at least have some hope about that social contagion?
0: Yeah, well, here's the interesting thing about social contagion. There are two parts of our brain that are part of our social brain network and they're tied very deeply to observing other people's faces and to listening to their tone of voice. So if I'm just going, whatever, it'll be a little bit confusing to your brain. I mean, yes, you will have you'll probably have a negative reaction to it. But if I speak a little warmer and a little slower, and if on my face I maintain a beautiful half smile and softness around the muscles around my eyes, your brain will neurologically begin to mirror different parts of what's going on in my brain to create that tone of voice and to create that facial expression. So we like to call that neural resonance and that's what social contagion is. So the more closely you pay attention to what your partner is saying, what your kid is doing. And here's the bad part. When you're listening to the news. Yes. Your brain is also creating an emotional sense of what's going on with those other people. But nowadays you turn on the news and it's like, oh my God, the pandemic is hitting and that, you know, and more and more people are dying and more and more people are dying, whatever else. And just the tone of my voice and me doing this and how horrible it is with all of those pictures of people lying in coffins out in the middle of the street and all of that. Well, your brain is doing the same thing with that as it does when you go to a movie house and you watch a horror film. And I'm always amazed at how somebody can always go, boom, you know, and you you jump. So again, what those parts of your brain is doing is creating an internal reality of whatever it is that you're looking at, even if what you are looking at is totally make-believe. So now we can get into a sense of what political rhetoric is too, or, you know, the preacher who is screaming yell and, you know, yelling hell and brimstone from the, from the pulpit or the political person who is simply saying everything is all going to garbage or somebody else is saying everything is doing wonderful and hope is right around the corner. Your brain is weighing and evaluating all of that. Now, obviously we all have a preference towards believing in things that are Shall we say, better than they better than they actually are, because it feels good to know, and it's absolutely essential if you are in a life-threatening situation, to have that sense, to have that sense of hope. Right. But here's the interesting thing about social contagion, and in particular, what interests me is the how easy it is to generate anxiety when you're not even being exposed to something. That may be actually threatening your life right. so you start to worry about the possibility that you'll catch this virus and then if you catch the virus then you worry about the possibility that it might be very mild or it might be very serious right. And then you begin to wonder well if it's serious maybe it's going to injure me or even end my life Right. But it's all maybes and ifs and maybes and ifs and maybes and ifs. So what's happening in the world today is tremendous amount of fear has been generated. And for good reason. But if you lose yourself in that fear, and you have to remember that fear and anxiety and worries and doubts, they're taking place in an area right in the top of your brain. It's one of the largest networks in your brain. It's called the default mode network, but I prefer to call it the imagination network because that's what it does. Imagination network is taking in all of the information from the outside world. And before you even think about it and evaluate it and decide what might be true or false, all of that sensory information goes to the top of your brain and you begin to imagine Hundreds of different positive things and positive future activities that might take place. But there's another part that's simultaneously dreaming up all the possible ways that something could go terribly wrong. Yeah. All of this is an attempt to predict a future that hasn't even happened. Right. And then we can get lost in that. We can lose ourselves in the negative fantasies and imagination, and that will create real anxiety because other parts of your brain can't tell whether it's coming from your imagination or whether it's an actual threat coming from the outside world. So what happens is that the more and more people who are holding the same belief or the same emotional state the more all those brains begin to resonate with each other same you know if you go to a football game and thousands of people are yelling and cheering wow. you're you're gonna feel more upbeat, upbeat about it. If everyone starts to boo, you're gonna feel that particular aspect too. If everyone starts getting angry around you. I mean, I've watched during like the Los Angeles riots, it was like, oh yeah, I could almost get out there and you know, be, be part of that too. It's our imagination mirroring what other people might actually be doing.
1: Right. And, and that kind of energy, if we're aware of it, I know you always talk about being mindful And if you're mindful of what you're thinking, you can change that thought, right?
0: Yes, so you can watch your imagination network. You can watch all of the worries and fears and doubts that are simply saying, you know what? Maybe this negative outcome may or may not happen in the future. Or you can focus just on the positive thoughts saying, everything is going to go fine. But if you just stay focused on the positive thoughts, you're cutting yourself off from half of the picture. So if you relax and just mindfully sit back and watch the positive and negative thoughts and feelings that are going on, and they're going on about 30 times faster than you can even put into words to capture consciously, but you can sit back and catch glimmers of that going on as you watch all of your anxiety, as you watch all of your narcissistic optimism, you begin to see that you're not your worries, fears, and doubts. There is you watching the processes of worrying about what could go wrong and hoping what might could go right. And then you can use that information to plan a strategy to achieve in the world, the goals you really want.
1: Right, and and I know you talk about the chemicals that are created in our brain, like dopamine is like when we're happy, when things are good. But there's also like cortisol and bad stuff that happens when we're constantly negative too, right? And that kind of depletes our whole immune system. So
0: well, cortisol gets a bad name. Cortisol is necessary. Uh, if times. you don't have cortisol moving through you, you're not going to have enough stress to get out of your chair and to carry out an action. Right. So right. We're talking about too much cortisol. Right. We're right. talking about too much anxiety. We're talking about- Too
1: much about, adrenaline, right, right.
0: Correct, right. you know, and too much dopamine will kind of motivate you to, I mean, that's that's basically the addiction neurochemical in your brain right. too. Right. And so people who fall in love all the time and just are obsessed with that, they may actually have too much dopamine flowing through them, but mm-hmm. somebody who might be kind of lethargic and depressed, sure, it could be them just, becoming so overwhelmed by their imagination that they give up, but it might also be that they're, that they have a dopamine depletion. And uh, so there's a a lot of things to to play around with on this, but it's cool that you can just use your mind simply by observing what your thoughts are doing, what your imagination doing, what all those different feelings are. If you just sit back and observe them, that actually creates, an ideal balance between three or four of the main key brain networks that are essential for maintaining psychological health
1: right so if we're talking about the pandemic if i'm constantly worried you know that that's not going to help me but if i have that balance of i can eat healthy i can take my supplements i can do all these things and you know i i'm not going to think about the worst i'm only going to do what i need to do to take care of myself right, right?
0: So we're talking about all of this, and that means we're using our executive network, which are those two little tiny areas right above and behind your eyes. That's what's thinking and planning and weighing and evaluating. But I wanna give you and everybody an experience of how you oh, of how it. those different brain networks work.
1: Let's do an exercise, I love it.
0: <laughs> so here's all I want you to do, everyone, just kind of close your eyes, but don't do this if you're driving. Uh, there is some evidence showing that that could be hazardous to your health. <laughs> and that's your imagination network thinking of what might happen. Just close your eyes and begin to just observe and think about and imagine all of the terrible things that are happening to different people around the world. Mm. But don't try to push away the discomfort or the sadness. the kind of maybe a little bit of shakiness that you have sit there and just kind of watch all of that negativity going on and now what i want you to do i want you to do a couple of yawns and i want you to pay attention to how that yawning feels because yawning is a thermoregulatory mechanism that turns off excessive activity in your imagination center. So two or three mindful yawns and then if you yawn and just pay attention to how that yawn feels and you pull yourself into the present moment and maybe even take your fingertips and gently stroke your hands with them or run them very gently over your face, wherever in the most pleasurable way possible. Immerse yourself fully in that sense of pleasure. In this moment, you'll notice that whatever anxiety that was being raised from the negative, you know, from thinking about the real awful stuff that's happening in the world, Now you've gone from, you know, the negative side of what's really happening to the positive side that's happening in the present moment. Here's what I want you to do now. I want you to continue to yawn and stretch and twist and move and use your hands in particular to do something really pleasurable as you allow and observe all of the negative thoughts about this pandemic to move through you as long as you keep going back and forth and you don't lose sense of that pleasurable sense of your body that's happening right now, you can begin to watch how your mind worries about it. And so as I'm doing this, it's a little hard for me to think about the pandemic, but I'm thinking about a friend of mine who has Parkinson's and he's much more vulnerable to what's going on and that brings up a sense of sadness, but now I just pull myself back to the sensations in my body. Try it too. Think about something that would normally cause you a tremendous amount of worry or concern. Your child getting ill, your partner getting sick, but just spend a few seconds feeling that and then bring yourself back to your own present body, stretching, yawning, stroking your hands or arms or face. And Mari, I'll just ask you, what was that sensation of you simultaneously or going back and forth between immersing yourself in a negative feeling or worry or painful situation and then coming back to something in the present moment that's pleasurable? What was it like to go back and forth? It
1: felt like an ease in my solar plexus, like when I was thinking about the pandemic and bad things In my heart and in my solar plexus, I felt tight. And then as I did the yawning and, you know, gently rubbing my arms and just getting into my body, then I felt this release, this calm in in my chest. And and then what
0: happens now when you go back to the uh, negative things that are happening? Is it as intense as it was?
1: No, it's not quite as intense. It, It goes back there though. But then I can bring myself out of it. Yeah. So
0: if you go back and forth, it's going to lose its intensity. Right. The intensity is caused by you simply allowing other parts of your brain to assume that your imagination is actually happening.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But we are actually in the present moment right now. Right. If you stay in that present moment, And this is why I don't watch the news on TV because it's not really news. Most of the time it's more opinions about what's going on and very passionate opinions. And it's very difficult, if not impossible, if you're an empathetic person to be pulled into the emotions that are being displayed by the person on the television. I read my news instead at night. I look at what the headlines are and I can skim it because when you're reading a paper, you'll find, that you're not getting your emotional buttons pushed because you're not hearing the tone of voice from the commentator. You're not seeing all the, you know, all of the facial expressions from people who are deeply, you know, suffering and in pain. And by consciously going back and forth between being in this present moment, calm, serene, the awning will always (sighs) slow down, excessive emotional states. Oh. Beautiful. You're at the present moment, you keep teaching yourself to go back and forth and back and forth. And what happens, and this is why brief moments of mindfulness is much better than long periods of time, is that you're learning how to be calm and serene in the middle of a crisis. And of course, if something does happen to you, right. that serenity will help you to figure out the best choice and selection and direction to take your life in. And it's wonderful to do that. I mean, you yeah. could train yourself to be mindful and be stay in that state of relaxed, mindful awareness yep. when you're being rolled into the hospital before surgery or coming out. And you'll feel the anxiety. You might actually feel the actual pain from after the surgery, but you can still go back and forth, dip into the pleasure, come back to the pain. And you end up again, spending more time in the present moment and not getting caught up in your worries, fears, and doubts. Right. And that's what most of our suffering is about.
1: Well, that kind of leads to this beautiful work that you're doing now. That, that balancing that you call TIMES, that great acronym about balancing our brain. And you, the, those, uh, you're talking now about the brain network and it's called brain network theory. So can you tell us about that? And then we can go into TIMES.
0: This is a huge revolution going on throughout the neuroscience community we're no longer talking about parts of the brain. So if I was speaking about being consciously focused and being attentive to a task, in the past we would talk about how your dorsolateral prefrontal cortex is interacting with your parietal lobe to visualize what it is that you were doing to stimulate different aspects of your nucleus, acubens and anterior cingulate and insula to carry it out. <laughs> and, You you, go ahead, Mari. Tell me how many, tell me how many of those words you remember.
1: Parietal lobe, prefrontal cortex. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Then I was thinking about, you know, people think about the amygdala that, that, that whole limbic system as well. If I'm going to get crazy or angry or fearful, it's going to be there, but now you have these systems going on. So let's talk about those systems. It's fascinating.
0: And by the way, One of the big urban myths is that the amygdala is the fear center in your brain. It is not. It is the part of your brain that helps to decide what is valuable to pay attention to and working with your hippocampus. It's what creates your memories, Mm -hmm. negative memories and positive memories. So it's a brand new thing. But if I'm talking about emotions, each emotion that we have, not the ones we think about, but the things like rage, genuine fear grief when we you know when we lose somebody and my two favorite emotions this is from bank work which is uh you know curiosity seeking uh motivation and playfulness that playfulness is a key part of developing our social brain in all mammals and all humans so that's the other thing you can do too you can play with all of the information coming into you about anxiety about this pandemic, about your desires and about your fears. Approach it playfully and mindfully as you stay deeply relaxed and just be aware of how those different thoughts and feelings move through you. So here's your new brain science. Now, the terms, some of them I've kind of altered a little bit because we created a map. There's about five of them. That that are that pretty much govern most of our daily life, and that we can actually have a conscious sense of what's going on. There are the emotional networks in our brain, the things that just are motivating us to do something. I feel hungry. I feel desirous for something. I feel, you know, uh, genuinely afraid of walking across that tightrope from one building, mm-hmm. you know, you know, or or to the other. And there are our memory, there is the memory network as well. We can't really feel our memories. We can only recall them and partially visualize, but our memories are going on all the time. Most of our brain is dealing with it. Our imagination network is that huge part on the top of our brain. You know, you know, When I make a drawing of it, I usually draw a huge orange blob that sits on the top of your brain because the imagination network the default mode network. This is the part of your brain that's designed with introspection, turning inwards to look at yourself and to imagine all of the things that may or may not happen in the future. It's the part of your brain that just attempts to predict a future. That's your imagination network. It's huge, it goes on all the time. The moment you close your eyes and relax or you begin to fall asleep, you'll notice that your mind wanders away into that kind of daydreaming-like state.
1: Right, right.
0: The imagination network is essential for keeping you know, a healthy balance. Then if you open up your eyes and you pay attention to anything in the room, even your hand or you want to pick up a pen or you want to pick up a glass of water mindfully and to be aware of it and drink it, You've turned off your imagination network and you've turned on your executive network, which I prefer to call the thinking network. Okay. This is where your thinking goes on. This is where your conscious mental states are going on where you plan. And you're supposed to go back and forth throughout the day, 50% of the time back and forth between thinking and imagining, thinking and imagining when you're have highly focused attention. You use up all the neurochemicals necessary to focus. So you have to go into that imaginative, creative, mind-wandering state, and that'll allow the glial cells to float around and recirculate those neurochemicals so that you can focus again on your next task.
1: Otherwise you get burnt out, right?
0: Yeah. If you spend too much time just paying focused attention all the time, you will get burnt out. But if you spend too much time in that daydreaming imagination like state, well, 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 (laughs) it's kind of fun, you know, I'm just, you know, but you don't get, but you won't get any work done at (laughs) all. And remember in that imagination, part of it's negative. So you can get lost in that. If you get lost in it for too long, that anxiety will turn into depression. And your depression is another way of turning off your imagination network, but you've turned off half the functioning of your brain. So So
1: we have T for thinking.
0: T for thinking, H, uh, uh, no, T for thinking, I for imagination, Yes. M M. is the motivation center of your brain. That's where that dopamine is released to wake you up, to have you pay attention to everything. That's what turns on the imagination that you can then think about. The M is going to, that's your motivation, T-I-M. E are all of your emotions, the things, the the deep emotional senses of simply, you know, pleasure, desire, movement. That put together, you have these three that's T I M E, time, thinking, imagination, motivation, and emotion. But there's another part of your brain, and it's the last part of your brain to develop. It develops usually in your 30s called the salience network. Now, the salience network is what gets activated when you do any form of self-reflective contemplative meditation. So even mindfulness, even if you just pause right now and just yawn and stretch and just become aware of your body, your sensations, the different thoughts going on.
1: So st- that, that believe it or not, we are just about out of time. So, you're, so well, that basically, basically, basically you're,
0: you're stimulating that salience network <laughs> and that's what creates the balance between all those other networks we just talked about. Exercise your salience network and you'll have a better functioning and psychologically healthy brain.
1: Beautiful. I those love it. <laughs> Wait, we're going to remember time. So that's going to be thinking, imagination, motivation, emotions and salience, which is kind of self-reflection Self-awareness—it's
0: the value,
1: right? It's the All value that,
0: that you put—that you your brain puts on anything. That's what's valuable to it. And of course, what you're telling me is that we're running out of times.
1: Yes, <laughs> and we are. So, Mark, I want people to go and uh, go to your website, Mark Robert Waldman, and you have so many things on there. So many wonderful ebooks and books and everything, we will definitely have you back again. Thank you so much for your wisdom, your brilliance, and being such a great mentor for me. I'm so grateful. Thank thank you you so much for
0: having me. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.